Guys, welcome to the show today. Today we actually have something kind of special. We're recording on location down in Sonora, Mexico. Uh, me, Dar, and Hunter are mic'd up and uh, going to be discussing. It's kind of midway through the hunt uh, that we had last week down in Sonora. Coos deer hunt, and uh, so you're going to get to hear that. And we're going to be trying to bring you more uh, on location and live uh, of these kind of uh, impromptu interview uh, uh, type podcast episodes. So I hope you enjoy them. I uh, also want to tell you guys if you're interested in a coos deer hunt uh, for 2018, uh, we have set our dates around the rut next year. Uh, uh, January 12th through the 20th is the first hunt. We'll actually hunt the 13th through the 19th. So we'll have a travel day on each side. And then January uh, 21st through the 29th, we'll actually hunt the 22nd through the 28th. Um, that's seven full days of hunting. And usually on the uh, travel on the front side, we usually get a half a day in. So that's seven and a half days of hunting. I believe that's more than any of the outfitters that are doing uh, um, coos deer hunts down in Mexico. And we just feel like seven day, <clears throat> excuse me, seven days gives us a good chance uh, that everybody can get a good buck. Uh, so you can email me if you have any questions or um, are interested, want to book a hunt uh, with Colburn and Scott Outfitters. You can email me at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. You can go on our website, Colburn and scottoutfitters.com uh, probably the most up-to-date way to follow us is on our instagram account uh, at j scott outdoors and my associate dar colburn at dar that's d-a-r-r colburn c-o-l-b-u-r-n uh, and follow us on our instagram also our young compadre uh, that's uh, been with us on on a bunch of these coos deer and gould's turkey hunts for the last several years down in mexico hunter haynes uh, i believe his handle on instagram is hunt underscore haynes and um, he's always a, a great guy to have on these hunts and a lot of fun so hope you enjoy this episode i want to thank you guys for your support of my podcast uh, feel free to shoot me an email or a uh, direct message on instagram or on facebook uh, with questions, comments, anybody you want to hear on the podcast. Um, and uh, we're just looking forward to a great 2017. I want to thank uh, my four sponsors here on the podcast. Uh, GoHunt.com is my title sponsor. Uh, guys, if you don't know, they have launched uh, the Arizona Draw Odds, which is totally different draw odds than before when they uh, did the a new change of the only 5% of the tags go to those non-residents with the most points. Uh, and that leaves 15% uh, of those max point tags uh, to those residents. And so it's really skewed the non-resident and uh, quite honestly, the resident odds. Well, GoHunt.com Insider has launched those odds. You have to be an Insider member in order to see those. Uh, if you do sign up, uh, which I highly encourage you to do, it's, it's uh, the most comprehensive uh, resource out there for uh, the hunter that's uh, putting in in all these western states, but specifically Arizona. Uh, it's real exciting to see these odds. If if you join as a member, uh, use the J. Scott promo code and you're going to get a $50 Kuyu 
gift card right off the bat. Uh, Go Hunt's going to send that to you. That will also, as just for being an insider member, not only will you get the full access to the website uh, and all the draw statistics, harvest, and and odds, and all the uh, strategy articles for applying and what have you, uh, you also be entered into monthly drawings where they're giving away great gear, great hunts, uh, and uh, a lot of a lot of really neat stuff. So check them out. GoHunt.com uh, forward slash insider. Use the J Scott promo code. Also like to thank PhoneScope.com. Uh, if you use the J Scott sixteen promo code. Uh, with PhoneScope, uh, anything that you call in or on their website, you get a 10% discount. Uh, PhoneScope makes great uh, uh, digiscoping phone adapters. Uh, they basically make uh, an adapter for every phone, every spotting scope, every binocular out there. Uh, also, RealGameCalls.com. If you uh, use the J. Scott promo code, you get 20% off at Real Game Calls. They're just launching their... Um, uh, deer and uh, turkey calls and you guys have been hearing about me over the fall talking about the elk reel on the, on this podcast i've had a ton of you uh, hundreds of you uh, email me and say how much you've uh, enjoyed using that uh, unique uh, elk reel that makes real um, nasally elk elk sound so i want to thank real game calls and also uh Last but not least, the Outdoorsman, the Optics Authority, the place where I get all of my uh, long-range uh, spotting scopes, binoculars. Uh, they, they've got a lot of great gear here in Phoenix. Uh, you can uh, go to Outdoorsman's.com, use the J. Scott promo code, and get 10% off on all products down there at the Outdoorsman's. You can also call them at 1-800-291-8065, and I encourage you to do that. Talk to Cody and the guys down there. Guys, let's get right to this episode. Um, I think you're going to really like it, and uh, again, thanks for all your support. I had a record-breaking 2016 and already off to a great start here in 17, so um, just uh, thanks, thanks, guys. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. We are on location in Sonora, Mexico. I've got Dar Colburn, my partner in Colburn and Scott Outfitters. I've got Hunter Haynes, who's the young back and muscle of this operation. And uh, we're stuck here in the ranch house. It's raining outside. Rain's coming straight down, and uh, we've, what, we've hunted about three and a half days, guys? Yeah, so far. So we've got this afternoon and and two more days. So I guess we've hunted, this would be our fourth day, I guess. Today was day four, but we lost half a day to rain. Yeah. So So we're at a new ranch. Uh, We're here in Sonora, Mexico. We're about an hour south of Douglas, Arizona. Dar, you had come and scouted this ranch um, back in, what was it, August? August, I think, August. yep. And what was your impression when you came and looked at it? How does it differ from how it is right now? Well, it was August and monsoon season, so, you know, it was obviously greener. Um, but it looked good, glassable country, big, you know, rough kind of mountains with open slopes, uh, mesquite, ocotillos, uh, stuff we like to hunt and glass. Yeah, you know, 
it's always a challenge for us. And Hunter, you can attest. I mean, every ranch, we've all been to a bunch of ranches mm -hmm. down here and every ranch is different. And, you know, you can come scout them in the off season and come check things out. But until you actually come during hunting season and glass them and hunt them out, it's really kind of hard to tell what you have. For sure. Um, when you were he coming here, Dar, we had already looked at a bunch of ranches in February. You, me, and Hunter, Dave Martin, a bunch of us went down and read, went and looked at some ranches. Probably asked both of you guys, you know, what do you look for when you come to a new place as far as trying to determine, you know, is it something that we want to come back and hunt or not? Well, I, I think one of the things that intrigued us about this ranch is it hadn't been hunted in probably 10 years, I think, something like that. And when the, the people hunted it, there was very, I don't think there was any roads really other than to the house. And so the owner put in a new road this year that, basically went from the south end of the ranch almost to the north end of the ranch and accessed some country that, you know, basically had not been touched. Virgin. So, so that, you know, that always intrigues us. I think uh, finding fresh places that haven't been hunted and chance of uh, older age class bucks, you know, is, is always better when, when the ranch hasn't been hunted. Yeah, I mean, Hunter, you've been to a bunch of ranches um, since you were. I remember when you first came. I think it was to the Santa Lucia ranch. Yeah. You were little guy. I mean, maybe fifteen, fifteen, fourteen, uh, yeah, somewhere in there. Um, and you've seen a bunch of ranches. I would ask you, like, you know, everybody's perception of Mexico is there's you know 110 inch bucks around every tree. W yeah. What are your thoughts on all the different ranches that you've been to? What, like, people's perception? You still got to hunt. I mean, you got to hunt hard. It's, yeah. I mean. All my buddies think we just come down and, you know, we see 120-inch deer. But in reality, you're you're passing up a lot of 95, 100-inch deer, solid deer. Yeah, I mean, I think we've been to some ranches. Um, we can all attest that, you know, high, high density, tons of does, you know, 50, 60 doe days, you know, 15, 20, you know, 25 buck days. And then you go to places where maybe you don't have as high a density. I, I've never really been able to figure it out, but it it would seem to me like in the States, um, in Arizona, where we're all from, uh, you know, there's a lot of predator hunters. There's a lot of lion hunters, and they keep those lions in check. And I, I mean... I think that's one reason why some ranches maybe don't have as many deers because they don't kill the lions and the lions just run wild. Well, mm -hmm. last year we saw what one day five lions. Yeah, in one spot. So, I mean, that just shows you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, and you know, they say a, a deer a week. Um, you know, fifty-two weeks a year. That's you start. That's one lion killing, say, fifty deer a year. You know, you get you get a place. Um, you know, that they're not after the lions. Anyway, this is a cool place. We're sitting in a old ranch style house. It's got a, like an aluminum or tin style roof. And when it rains, you can really hear it. You know, even the softest little rain, you can hear it sounds like it's really coming down. We've got uh, two bucks over here in the pot boiling. Um, had a, had a good day yesterday. Uh, 
Dar, you had come down in August and scouted and seen a group of five bucks at a water hole just not very far from here, mm-hmm. um, and got good video of a buck you said had a had a double main beam. Yeah, and I actually, uh, I didn't. I I got some phone scope video of the the buck uh, when I was down here, but didn't not until I got home and looked at it, you know, on my phone th- did I realize it had a a double main beam. Yeah, and and it was fun when we brought the hunters in, and um, you you were telling them about the double main beam buck. And yesterday morning, I was glassing kind of this north-facing, real thick hillside, and I glassed this other buck that's in the pot over here, and he's bedded, and but the wind was blowing, and it was kind of spitting rain. It was just kind of you know like that deer did not want to move. And then I noticed there was a second buck bedded there. And then when I uh, kept panning around, I, I, I panned back with those new 25 power twin spotting scopes. And the buck that was bedded and the other buck, I saw a third buck up feeding in the bush. And out comes this double main beam buck. Yeah, that was pretty cool when you called and said, hey, I got the double main beam buck. Yeah. I was pretty excited. Yeah, I said, I don't know who's going to shoot this buck, but somebody is. <laughs> yeah. um, it was it was neat seeing it, um, and then I was able to call you guys on the radio and kind of circle the troops. Anyway, back to this double main beam buck. So we kind of circled the wagons, and uh, Bill, who was sitting with me, Bill Bertram. He's this is his third year hunting with us, and just a great guy from Wisconsin. He he said that you know he had told Lee that morning. Uh, I I had Lee and Bill in the buggy with me, and he said I had told Lee, you get first crack at him. You know, if we see a buck, you get first pick. And so I glassed this buck up, and I'm like, Bill, it's a double main beam buck. And he says, well, I told Lee in the buggy, he said, Lee gets first crack. And he said, so call him first. And so I called Lee, and Lee got Lee on it, and Lee looked up there, and I said, what do you think of that? And he said, I'd shoot that buck every day of the week. So, Pretty cool that Bill did that for sure. Yeah. And I was six, I got, I got down, I was 623 yards from it. And I tried to get a uh, lead to kind of go down the hill and around. Anyway, the deer ended up kind of spooking. A doe actually spooked. And I guess there were three bucks total and two does. And they kind of spooked up over a ridge, which actually worked out perfect because um, Dar and Hunter, you guys kind of were in an angle and position where you could see those deer coming over the hill. Um, from your perspective, I mean, what, what did you see, Hunter? I could just see a few deer come over. could tell one buck had a pretty good frame. And then I uh, got a hold of Dar and met up with Dar to get a little closer look. Yeah. You know, the buck has um, got real white-colored antlers. Mm-hmm. Typically, uh, bucks down here, at least, when we see white, you know, white antlers, it typically is kind of a – a thin horned deer and this one this one for sure is um that this double main beam buck uh would you guys say would you agree with that like if you see white horn is it typically kind of a thinner smaller less mature deer and you see kind of a chocolate antlered buck it's usually a i'd say typically yes yeah. yeah the the other thing i wonder about is you know it seems like from arizona we're down here in mexico things are a few weeks behind you know, that buck obviously hadn't been rubbing on anything. Right. So, you know, is that a factor, too, that, that he's not been rubbing at all? Or 
you know, I don't know. Just the country too, I think. Yeah. yeah. You know, maybe the Ocotillos. Yeah. Uh, you look at that big buck we killed last year, the 127, and he was white as white He was be. pitch yeah. white. He was. I, I, that's a good point, and a mature deer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that that's a good point that it comes down to what they're rubbing on. Um, Jar, you bring up a good point. We're here. It's now, it's January 1st. Happy New Year to you guys, by the way, listening. Um, we were in bed by 8.30 last <laughs> night. <laughs> um well, let's get let's get back to the rut, or let's get to the rut in a minute. I want to talk about yesterday and how it went down. Um, you guys, anyway, we kind of had the deer triangulated, and you guys had kind of bedded. You, we didn't know the deer was specifically in that pocket, but you guys were pretty sure that the deer had come over, and you kind of had them grouped up in some mesquites. Yeah, you said they're coming over the hill. We saw them some deer coming over right there and get into the mesquites and, and bed down. So we were fairly confident that the buck was up there yeah, somewhere right there. And it was a situation where um, kind of a big, steep, like mesquite, real thick, you know, kind of north-facing hill and then a little bench that they were on. Mm-hmm. But really, the only shooting position, I mean, you guys had to climb a big, pretty good mountain and what's interesting about this ranch, it's a little different than most all the ones we hunt. It's got, like, round lava rock. Everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Like, there's not a flat place to put your foot. I mean, no have way. you noticed that? It's horrible. It's all yeah. rocky. It's rocky, rocky. Steep, so rocky. Anyway, the plan was for you guys to circle around, us to keep our eyes on the deer, which we always say is so important, to keep eyes on the deer. And then you guys... Uh, Darren Hunter and and Lee uh, Sorsonelli, the hunter, um, made a big stock up there and were able to get out on a rock pile. As you were approaching the position, Dar, what was your what was your main concern? Well, I'll I'll say too that not only did we have you know eyes on where the deer was, we had people on both sides of the hill to where if he went back over, someone would be able to keep an eye on him. So that I mean we had it triangulated and surrounded i would say on three sides you know which is always yeah i mean i think you make a good point uh bill's bill you know just selfless as can be just just you said i'll stay here you know all day in intermixed rain in and out and watch the back side of the hill well there was a really good chance the deer weren't going to go back over but he stayed over there but we had all the bases covered and i think that's a good tip for people listening if you have enough manpower um, and you have guys that are willing to help like that and not be in the action, so to speak, I think that's why, you know, the three of us work together so well when, when you know, when it's your turn to be on this side of the hill or that yeah. side of the hill, we all kind of take our task and say, this is where, this is my post. We're going to man it. Yeah. It's a team effort for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. So Hunter, you're, you're going up there with Dar. And you guys were trying to find this rock pile. Could you see where the, as soon as you topped over, was it real evident the bench where the deer were? Yeah. And like immediately were you guys ranging? What were you, what, what was going through your mind? Well, me and Dar were kind of worried about the wind also. It was yeah. kind of swirling a little bit. So we kind of, Dar kind of crept and looked over to make sure, you know, what was there. And, um, he could see the, the saddle, you know, and, and the, the trees where the we thought the bucks were. So he creeped up, got Lee over there, kind of in a spot where Lee could get set up. 
And then, uh, I How was his rest? What, what, what did you guys have for his rest? So, yeah, so when I, when I popped over to where I could actually see the bright, there was some bright green mesquites where the deer were, so it was real easy to, to see. I popped over and just could tell with my naked eyes that we were with, well within range. So at that point, we kind of had a job. Hunter took his spotting scope and binos. His focus was to find the deer. My focus was to take Lee, get him to the rocks, build him a rest and, you know, range it and get everything dialed in. So I did that. Hunter found the buck or found one of the bucks. And then I had already ranged it with Lee. So we were set up, ready to go. Uh, 300 and I think 50 yards. 50 yards. And uh, Hunter had the the 4 by 4 buck. And then a few minutes after that, glassed up the, the double main beam buck and another little buck. So, you know, they were all bedded there. Um, we made pretty quick work. Yeah. I mean, we each had a task and got it. Everybody did their job and we were in position. So when he did stand up uh, between rain squalls, you know, Lee was able to to uh, make a shot and made a good shot. Yeah, hit it. I think I think one of the things that um, if people haven't been in the situation with coos deer a lot in that situation where you've got the gun set on the pack, everything's mm-hmm. on go. You've got one in the hole. You're on safety, but I mean you're mm-hmm. you're five seconds away from pulling the trigger if if need be. Um, it never ceases to amaze me how much those deer actually get up and lay back down, yeah. get up, and lay back down. And, and, you know, maybe you guys could speak to this. It, it, you got to be ready. You got to have everything ready because at any given time, they're going to stand up. And yeah. And typically they don't just stand up and stand there forever. They, no. you know, start feeding or move or do something. And, you know, they might just turn around and bed back down or, you got to be ready. You're right. And, and I think one thing I did with Lee is, you know, since there was three bucks there, we coached, he couldn't see the buck, uh, in his rifle scope, but we'd coached him back and forth as to, okay, go to the dead stump. Okay. You see that buck bedded there. Okay. Five yards left of that is the other buck in that mesquite tree. So be, you know, so he knew right where the buck was. He didn't have to find it when it did stand up. Well, and Hunter, tell me about when we've worked enough together that how important, like, trying to have you and Dar on the same page, as well as having the spotters. I mean, we're we're using radios. If it's a Boone and Crockett buck and someone says, I want to enter it in the book, we won't use radios. But we like sure. to use radios. Um, Super important. But, I mean, we've we've killed a lot of big deer with radios. I mean, it's... Yeah, and, and not only that, I think take it even a step further. I think it's like if if the guys up on the hill can say, "I can't talk right now," I'll fill you in in a minute, and then they come back on and say, "Okay, the deer's at three hundred and thirty yards. Um, is everybody clear where the deer is?" You know, if you have to say, "Hey, Jay, from your angle, if you see any movement, let us know," or whatever. Um, but I think having like you were playing spotter, Dar was helping Lee, exactly. and you and Dar being able to communicate, like, there's the dead tree, there's a yellow yucca, and getting, like, five or six points of reference between you two exactly. that mm-hmm. when things start happening, especially they're not rutting now, but, you know, here in a couple of weeks when we come back for our rut trip, um, when stuff starts happening, it starts happening fast. So Quick. 
I think a good tip for people listening is if you can have references. Have those landmarks. Landmarks. landmarks, And even with the spotters and say, you know, if he goes back over the hill from your perspective, Bill, do you see the big rock point? He's going to come to your right of that if that'll be the first place he crosses over. So that if things go sideways, you can say, Billy's coming right there or Bill left of where I told you. Big mesquite at the top. Yeah, big mesquite or big rock. Yeah. I, I, I think... You know, I've learned so much hunting these deer, and I think the more precise and, like, exact you can get in trying to, one, always keep someone's eyes on the deer or the tree that the deer's in, and number two, being precise and exact with all of the layout and the setup of, you know, you don't know if a buck gets up and just, I've seen them, we've all seen them where they're bedded and they just jump up and start chasing a doe. And you're like, what just happened? Yeah. What what amazes me too, even yesterday, is sitting there and and I had my 15 Sarovskis up, the buck's 350 yards. I can see embedded in the the brush and the mesquites. And you look out of your binos for a minute to talk to Lee or Hunter or something, and I look back in there and I can't see him. And then I focus and look and look, and he twitches his ear. No, he's right there. He's he never moved. moved. Same spot. Yep. And. I can't tell you how many guys you talk to say, I had a buck spotted. I I hiked over to the point to shoot him and couldn't find him. He wasn't there, and then he was gone. They have no idea. He's probably laying there. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing that amazes me still about these deer is how how much they blend in and how hard they are to see. Especially with light. Yeah. The other day, I mean. Yeah, and that's true, too. The, it was raining back. off and on, and, and the clouds and the rain would come in, and you couldn't see them. And then a little bit of sun would pop through, and boom, there you could are. see them, yeah. you know, glowing. It's yeah. just, it's amazing. And, and I don't know if you guys are the same way as, as me, but in that situation when where I know where a deer is, I still, like, if I look away and I'm eating a sandwich or something, and, you know, I'm oh, maybe yeah. for just a split second have to look down to undo the, and I'm focused in my binos and then I look away for a second like when I pop my eyes back in it's almost like I have to go okay there's the leaning tree there's the yucca okay there's the rock okay there's the buck yeah and and I think you know when I I made so many mistakes and I still do bumping deer and and being impatient and not being precise Mm -hmm. and thinking oh they're gone they're not there well most of the time they're still right there they are you know they have not moved yeah, and we we have so far on this trip we haven't seen many deer traveling at all. Yeah, it's it's pre rut, um, and I wouldn't even say they're pre rutting. I would say they're they're in their fall pattern. I mean, yeah. the bucks are together. Yeah. This rut. group was you know four bucks, I think. Yeah. Um, so let's let's talk about that. I mean, we have seen, we have been on ranches in December where it's just like hunting. Uh, in Arizona in October and November, Correct. where it's bachelor yeah. herds of bucks, does are together. Um, you know, they're in t- bucks and does aren't in nearby vicinities. They're usually in totally different country type of thing. Mm-hmm. And then we've also seen it between Christmas and New Year's down here when you get a you know lows you know eighteen to twenty two in the morning and good frost and cold and. The difference I see there is bucks are actually traveling. They're making mm-hmm. scrapes and they're actually moving and pursuing does. How much of it do you think is an actual timing and how much do you think is temperature, you guys? I think it's some sort of combination of both. I really do. Um, 
but this year, I mean, we've had we haven't had cold temperatures, but it certainly has not been hot. Yeah, I mean, what of our temps? They've been like. 40s 40 in the morning, in the mornings but probably. it's never really gotten over 60, yeah, probably I would 60 say. maybe high. high 50s. Yeah, so it's it's actually been really nice weather. Yeah. Right. And you'd think you'd see more deer up moving and traveling, but it just seems like it we're a little bit early for, for whatever reason. Yeah. I don't know if that's the moon. I mean, it's a very dark moon, um, almost no moon. And, and we normally do our hunts – during the rut, we usually do back-to-back so we can catch the, the, the two best weeks of rutting. Um, you know, I'd like to get you guys to weigh in on dates. You know, if, if someone said, what is the best seven days? It's kind of a toss-up because I think sometimes when the bucks are first starting to rut, it can be really good mm-hmm. because they're kind of traveling and they're with a group and they're really aggressive and then they're moving on to another group. And they're not broken up. Um, and then there's that time frame when they're really locked in with does and every single doe group you, you see a buck. And then, you know, Dar, you've commented before how you've really never seen it where it's just bucks rutting everywhere. It's kind of pockety. Yeah. It's not like elk where, you know, every group of cows has a bull usually. And it seems like there'll be, you know, two or three groups of does and one group has a hot doe. You guys can weigh in on that, but it seems like you find a, a hot doe or a couple does that are really hot, and there'll be two or three bucks swarming and yeah, running or around. I mean, yeah. So it's not it's not a herd type rut like a like you see with elk. Yeah, I think they both have their pros and cons. I mean, like you said, you hit the pre rut, they're they're hanging with does, they're not really rutting, they're not broke. Then you hit the rut, and it's just you know brings out that many more. And the benefit, bucks. too, of, like, you know, hunting now, if you did have a good buck or find a good buck, they're not moving, so your chances of killing them are good. He's there. Um, most of the the better bucks we've seen on this trip have, with the exception of this double main bean buck, have been by themselves in kind of a rocky, you know, peak, nasty area all by themselves, not up moving Not moving much. a lot. So that makes it tough to find them. Yeah. And I think that's what the rut really does is bring those bucks out to where they're more visible, where they're moving. But you may see them once and they're gone. Yeah, I mean, yep. they might be. That's the challenge with the there. rut is, I mean, yeah, we see some of our bigger bucks, but sometimes they're running around and going over the top of a mountain, circling. I mean, making, chasing a doe for, you know, six, eight hundred yards or yeah. more and out of sight and you never see them again. Yeah, exactly. Uh We've definitely had some chaos on the rut, but it's it's a fun time. It this makes t- it fun, for sure. Yeah, this time is more you have to really be patient. Uh, you have to really, really glass hard. Uh, you know, I tend to want to be looking on more of the thick hillsides, the shady, the more dense areas. Whereas in the rut, I'm going to probably look where the does are. Yeah. Look on the sunny hillsides, south-facing, a little more open, maybe a little lower, you know, terrain, ridge tops and such. Well, I mean, here, too. With the cattle, there's quite a few cattle, so it seems like everywhere we, we've seen good feed, we've found deer. You know, Hunter, you pointed that out the first day uh, after we glassed our first day. You, you know, what did you see as the common variable of you found X and you found deer? What was that? Anywhere there was yellow, yellow feed, yellow grass. I, I said, Hunter, I, I felt the same way. I mean, 
the first day, every place that I saw that the cattle like hadn't gotten to yep. some of the higher, maybe up on little rocky mesas and bluffs and stuff, the deer were stacked in there. And yep. I still think they're stacked like in there. Pockets, pockets of deer. Yeah. And I think even on state land in Arizona tips for guys, if you've got, you know, country where there's cattle, which most places there are, look for those areas that are maybe a little harder for the cattle to get to. It may be just a little higher on the mountain. It may be, you know, little flat top mesas that the cattle just can't get through the rocks or they haven't forced themselves to get up there. Um, but down here on this particular ranch, we, we find yellow grass and we, we find deer, find deer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I go back to the people's perception of what it's like down here and I mean, we've been to places, we've been, had years and had ranches and just had timing of being there where literally it did feel like there was a hundred inch buck around every tree. But saying that, I mean, you think of all the places we've hunted, how many ranches have you been to that you've seen multiple hundred inch bucks in a day? Very, very few. Yeah. And, and usually if you did see that, you you didn't see the next step up above them. Right. You know, yeah. it's it's like Well, usually if we saw that we'd be trying to pursue some sure. of those hundred inch bucks, so sure. it's like it's game on. And a lot of these bucks I don't think they ever make it to a hundred inches. That that's a whole nother issue with, you know, genetics and such down here. We've been to ranches where, you know, you might see twenty five bucks in a day and not see one over ninety five inches. I mean Yeah, and I think the age too, you know, here I don't think they live as long as they do in the States. I just think the lions hit them harder yeah coyote lion there's no predator control and no there are some ranches that have predator control but it's pretty wild down here pretty slim i mean feel like we go back a hundred years sure in time i mean i've hunted state land quite a bit and i've probably only seen a handful of lions and i've seen 30 probably down here in the years so yeah that just just shows there's a lot more lions down here Back to this double main beam buck. So Lee just torches this buck, and you guys got great phone scope video of it, and and um, we'll be playing it on our Instagram. Um, you can check it out. Really cool. Both these guys got video. Dar got video of a video. Yeah, one my phone scope was on the buck, and my <laughs> point and shoot camera was video, and Lee actually making the shot. So that's awesome. It was just one of those times where the buck was set up embedded and we were all dialed in so we had time to do that that sort of stuff and it's raining it's cool looking on the video because the rain's coming down sideways and you guys both did a good job i kind of just sat there and watched the whole deal i think Um, well you made the spot though you spotted the buck that's what started it all (laughs) like Uh, i said it's a team it's a team effort it's a team effort effort. but i think too that with the wind and the little bit of rain that that helped us cover some of our noise getting up and setting up up yeah Talk to me about that, guys, because I, I I had that wind blowing hard in my face, and it was really blowing. I mean, to me, I almost like that better, Yeah, having quite a bit of wind when you're making your stock, because like that stock you made the first day on that buck, it was quiet as can be, and is, you know, we were hunting in an area where the cattle weren't, and the grass was really thick, and yeah. I, I was... uh. 700 yards look yeah right at 700 yards from the buck so you guys were probably 350 or 400 from me and i could hear you walking yeah and and that's the thing too this ranch is pretty haired over so it's got grass cat claw 
you know, brush and it's rocky, it's not quiet to walk through. Um, so yeah, I think the weather helped, helped us get to the point undetected. And then when Lee shot the buck, he dropped, didn't move. And so the other bucks really had no clue what was going on. And the rain started, it started raining hard at that point too. So the little bucks actually went the, over. Yeah. There. The other bucks started you know, out. up and down and feeding and, uh, we kind of got on the radio and, and, uh, I think Jay, you had suggested that maybe Mitchell would would shoot the other buck, and then Mike, who's down there, said, "Well, can he use Lee's gun?" And we, you know, Lee said, "Absolutely, sure." Yeah. So, so here's Mitchell at the bottom of the hill with his dad Sean, and can he use the gun? Sure. So he can go. So here's a, I think, 17 year old kid, junior in high school, great kid. Basketball player, football team. Yeah. So he's he goes charging <laughs> up the mountain. Dar says, tell him to make sure to bring a jacket. Yep. Bring and, a jacket and nothing else. Yeah. And so I watched him climb that mountain, just running up that mountain. It was, I was like, wishing I was 17 again. <laughs> yeah. And then Hunter, you, you actually worked your way back and met up with him. Went to go meet him. Yeah. yeah gathered him up and then took him to the spot. Cause now the other buck, that's a four by four buck is still bedded. And what, 300? And yeah, 350. Yeah, see, so he same. was actually, that buck was up feeding the whole time Mitchell was running up the mountain. And Hunter went and got him. As soon as they got to me, the gun was set up. As soon as they got to me, I mean, it never <laughs> fails with Kustier. Boom, he lays down <laughs> in a spot where, you know, we don't have a shot. So Do you hear the rain? Yeah. I don't know if you can hear it through the mics, but it's pouring out. Yeah, it is. Pouring. It's nice seeing these skulls over here boiling, boiling the heads. Um, smells pretty good. So Mitchell gets all set up, and it seemed like the rain squalls were just, yeah, that's rain, folks, that you can hear coming down. Good thing we're inside. Um, Mitchell, his buck was bedded, but then it got up once or twice real fast, didn't it? No, it was bedded the whole time. Bedded the whole time. Bedded the whole time, and it really started raining hard. As soon as he got up there and we got soaked like to where I could, there was times I could look over there and I could hardly see that hillside. It was raining. So, and it was only 300. Yeah. 350, 350. And you couldn't even see the buck because it was raining so hard. Yeah. Like it is right now. It's hopefully the roof doesn't cave in our binos Um, hard to keep our binos dry. Yeah. Yeah, And so Lee, he didn't actually bring his rain jacket up there. No. And, he told me, he said, I about had hypothermia. Yeah. And Lee, but every time I looked back at Lee, because he, he gave Mitchell his gun, and I had it set up right where he shot from. And uh, every time I'd look back at Lee to make sure he was all right, he just had the biggest grin on his Big face, smile. you know, just smiling. Great guy. Boy, I hope, uh, hope the roof doesn't come in. Yeah, Noah's out there <laughs> pairing him up, building the ark right now. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So the buck so the buck was bedded in but it was getting late. It was like 4:30 or so yeah, and we you guys, you know, as dark as the clouds and it's getting dark by about 5:30. Yeah. You were worried that the buck was never going to get up. So Hunter, what did you do? I told Dar there's a little another little low spot below us where you might be able to get an angle in at him and so I went down there and Well, let me let me back that up. You guys were on a real steep hill, so you actually yeah. had to drop Pretty vertical down, Pretty but vertical. what, like 50 yards? Yeah, and there's one little bench before 
you know, it goes all the way off. And um, you could actually see him over there with your naked eye. I opened it up, you know, the bush he was in. And so I went back up, and me and Dar started discussing and figured, you know, we better give it a shot, at least an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I got down there with Mitchell, got him kind of in a spot where he could, you know, was comfortable with the gun. And Dar was starting to make his way down. And uh, the buck, when Dar was coming down, actually uh, had got up and got up and was broadside, and uh, Mitchell was on him comfortable. And uh, just as he's getting a shoot, the buck rebedded, and uh, so he was still on the buck. Dar was almost to us, and uh, I asked Mitchell, you know, are you you comfortable? Are you comfortable? And then all of a sudden, he pulled the trigger, and <laughs> all I could see was a deer just flop over. Thirty-three <laughs> seventy-eight yeah. blast. <laughs> a little little rough on my ears, that's for sure. <laughs> With a muzzle break. Yeah, it was pretty brutal. Um, perfect shot right behind yeah. the shoulder. His first deer, first coos deer, first Beautiful deer buck. at all. Yeah. Um, so it was pretty neat. But at that point, I had come off the hill and actually walked back to the ranch house and got the cowboy gathered up and he got two horses and was able to ride two horses up there. Uh, him and, and, uh, the other cowboy were able to ride up there to you guys to yep. help pull those bucks off the hill, which was nice. Yeah, it was nice to throw them over the saddle and <laughs> have them walk down on the horses. We're not used to that. No, huh? not used yeah. to that at all. Especially with the double too, that yeah. made it nice. A double. We last year we ended the coaster season. Yeah. Um, I guess it was around like the twenty first or second of January with a double with a one twenty seven and a one twelve double on the same hill. And we started the season this year yeah. with a double <laughs> on the same hill. That's pretty neat. That is pretty, pretty cool. neat. Pretty so neat. we've got we've got three ta three tags left. A few javelina tags, and we basically have maybe tonight if we can get it in. It's um, not looking good for tonight. Yeah, a and then two full days. So we've got some shooting to do. Um, I think it'll be good though. I think the deer will be moving pretty good after this yeah. storm. Yeah, I mean, wow. that's that's one good thing. If, you know, usually get rain, if you can get, you know, sun the next day, that at least for first couple hours, um, actually the first half of the day, it's usually pretty darn good. They're wanting yeah. to stand up, shake off, and get that water off them. Mm -hmm. So uh, anything else to add here, Dar? We're kind of mid-hunt. mid, mid hunt. It's tough, though, isn't it? It's, it's, it's hard. It's hunting. Yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely hunting, and... You know, far shots, and, I mean, it's coos deer hunting. Exactly. It's the same, you know, wherever you go, it's it's the same same deer, just, you know, different terrain and different circumstances, but uh, it's it's fun for sure. What are you guys' thoughts on the beauty of being able to come and lock the gates and not have to deal with other people? That's what I like most about coming to Mexico is the, you know, there's no rat race down here. We're all working together. We're all on the same team. We're, you know, everybody seems to always be in good spirits because I think it's pretty laid back. I mean, we hunt hard, but if you find a deer, or, you know, you're hunting him yourself. It's There's no one else around. Just makes it fun. Yeah, it does make it fun. It it, you're, it fun. you're actually hunting. Nobody's shooting over you. Instead of managing. Nobody's trying to beat you to an yeah. animal. You bet an animal people. down, you can make your game plan and. Well, yeah, and I, yeah, yeah, and another thing, Hunter, I think too is you know you could see it buck, and you could say, well, it's only the first or second day, and 
mm-hmm. you know, se- we do seven day hunts. That's not to say you can come back and find them for sure, but pretty good chance no one else is going to shoot them. So right. as long as he can manage a yeah. few days to, you know, miss a lion, um, good chance if you said, hey, I want to go back and find that deer that you can. Odds are you probably will, yeah. You know, it's one of those things that sometimes when you try and, you know, get too picky, it sometimes can come back and bite you also. Um, but certainly hunting private and hunting down here in Mexico gives you that opportunity to be a little bit more picky and a little more trophy-oriented. Trophy sure. Pretty neat, too. Two of the guys that were taken both beat cancer, right? Yeah, it's uh it's a great story. We've got a young guy with us that um, had uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma, went through chemo and radiation, and has, uh, I believe, been clear now for a year. Mm-hmm. And um, Sean, uh, he had um, colon cancer. Colon cancer, had his colon removed and had uh, chemo and radiation both. And, uh, yeah, so it kind of puts things in perspective you know we humbles you a little bit yeah we get thinking that, that these deer are real important um and in the grand scheme of things it's not so yeah it that that's been an eye-opener for me for sure you know perspective is always important but another good good group of guys and another fun trip that's for sure. sure we got got a few more days yet but yep hopefully we'll be able to report back with some more carnage uh here from mexico uh, and then we're we're back on the fifteenth of January. Um, looking forward, thoughts about the upcoming place. Um, what do you think? I think it'll be good. I think that place is is a lower density as well, similar to this place. But the potential for some big big deer is there. Um, when we were down there, the three of us we saw saw a lion kill and yeah. several sheds that we would be happy to take home. Yeah. How would you describe the country, Hunter? Uh, I love it. Um, big peaks, um, lots of ocotillo, um, rocky outcroppings, and then you can actually get up high to the ranch and actually hunt some oaks. So a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. Good. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, certainly looking forward to uh, – I love hunting new country. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think we're outfitters. We love hunting coos deer ourselves as well. But I think that's part of the adventure and part of the game. I think, I mean, honestly, I really don't have a big desire to hunt a ranch for 10 years in a row. I, at least I haven't found one that I just said. Has the perfect ranch. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm a grass is always greener on the other side and just love looking at new country. But it's a, it's a gamble. It's a risk. Sure. Sometimes it pays off. Sometimes it doesn't. But that's part of the fun of it for me. Yeah. And that's, that's what comes back to hunting during the rut you have a good chance that something could come out of the woodwork that would wow you. Yeah. I mean, like I feel this place we're on here, while it might be tough right now, I think you come back in two, three weeks, you could see a giant. A giant. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've hunted places, and we, we were talking about this the other night, that we've been there in December and not seen a 100-inch buck and hunted for a week and then gone back in in prime rut you know in january and you know everybody killed bucks over 100 inches same place yeah it's like the switch got flipped switch gets flipped those you know bigger bucks are out moving invisible and they're just sometimes they're not you know pre-rut prior to the rut so well we've got uh 
This double main beam buck's got a 11 and a half inch extra main beam, and then off of that, he's got about a six inch. It's almost a triple main beam. And he's probably going to be close to 110 inches. And this other four by four buck, Mitchell's first coos deer, it's probably a low to mid 90s buck, and uh, three more to go. So. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, maybe we'll get some hunting in this afternoon. If not, we'll be ready to go the last two days, and hopefully we can pull off three more bucks. Hope so. Grind it out. Awesome. Well, it's always fun hunting with you guys. Thanks for uh, sharing some of uh, some of your experience here. And to the listeners out there, we will be getting back to you and fill you in on the details of this first hunt in Sonora, Mexico. So, I guess... Maybe we'll take adios. a little, take a little <laughs> siesta and adios. Yeah, maybe happy we'll, new year. Yeah, happy new, year, happy new year. And maybe it's time to have some of this menudo soup of the uh, <laughs> deer brains over here.